Good morning, everybody. This is Stephen Kira, and you're listening to Food for Thought, uh, our weekly show where we discuss everything that's related to, to restaurant life, to food, and not only. And today, I'm very excited to have uh, Keith Newman with us once again, um, chef for the Borland House right there in uh, Montgomery, uh, and uh, one of the sort of like very historical uh, bed and breakfast uh, and with wonderful brunch menu. And uh, and a special event coming up uh, this, uh, this Saturday. This Saturday, a vegan uh, harvest. We have a vegan harvest. It's our uh, it's our once a month uh, dinner uh-huh. that we host. And uh, this this month's menu is all vegan. And uh, it's, our intention is to change people's perception of vegan food. And I, I think most people right now perceive vegan food as a plate of vegetables or not anything very exciting or certainly not anything that you would find in a higher-end restaurant. And, uh, and I think we can change people's perceptions of that and show them you can use vegetables in the same way that you use meat proteins mm-hmm. uh, and create a really nice, uh, a really nice high-end dinner. Now, uh, I know that uh, we've been looking forward to this event and uh, some of the secrets you were able to sort of like uh, gave uh, our audience a little peek at what to expect, uh, including vegan uh, wines that we're going to discuss uh, more in depth. We're going to be using all vegan wines, uh-huh. different vegan wine for each uh, course. Okay, now vegan wines, because we got a lot of uh, questions surrounding that. That's, uh, it's a vegan, uh, obviously, harvest, vegan theme. So you, once again, went to, to the fullest extent, didn't cut any corners, so vegan wine. Actually, vegan wines are becoming very popular, uh, mm-hmm. something I learned uh, recently. Uh, there are many, many hundreds of different vegan wineries around the country producing a number of different varieties. And the key to a vegan wine is in the process, not necessarily in the wine itself. Mm-hmm. So with the final process, there's still a lot of sediment in the wine. And that sediment is so tiny that it can't be removed by the filter. Mm -hmm. So any sediment that can't be removed, they would normally use egg whites to remove the sediment. And that automatically makes it non-vegan. I see. So this is so instead of egg whites, they're using pea protein Uh to remove the sediment, or they're taking the longer route and just letting the sediment fall naturally and waiting until it all reaches the bottom, and then bottling the wine. Interesting. But it takes a lot lot longer to do it that way. So they've been using pea protein, and there are some wineries that are using a derivative of clay to remove the... uh, the Yeah, there's uh, many different ways of filtrations. Uh, There's a cold filtration that normally, I think, applied to whiskeys and uh, stronger liquor. There's a coal... Uh, traditional, there's some uh, using uh, limestone, uh, you know, uh, there's so, so, so many, charcoal, and, uh, but this, uh, so folks, this, anybody who's listening, this is not a trace, not even trace of uh, animal protein uh, anywhere. Nothing in there. So that was, that turns out, that was really what makes a wine vegan or not vegan, the, uh, the process of getting rid of the sediment at uh-huh. the end. Now, uh, if, uh, now that the, the event is only uh, figured out two days away, and uh, can you elaborate a little bit? Can you? Uh, not everybody's going to be lucky enough, I guess, to join. This is one of a kind. This is once a month event only. There's a uh, limited seating capacity. 
and uh, I count myself uh, for those lucky ones who can uh, going to be attending and enjoying this. And uh, certainly we'll discuss after the fact and, uh, you know, um, share some uh, points and uh, uh, experience. But uh, for those who listen, uh, can you tell us what's going to be on the menu? Now it's probably finalized if it's not too big of a secret. If, uh, you know... Well, I don't know if I want to give you the whole menu, but yes, okay. let's, let, let's go over, you know, some of the things that are on there. Uh, we're going to start, first of all, it starts at 5.30. Mm -hmm. uh, we only have a few seats left, so before I even get started, I'm encouraging people to uh, go online and make your reservation so you can join us Saturday night at 5.30. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to start with a mushroom toast, uh, but we're not using regular mushrooms. We're going to use as many different varieties of mushrooms that are grown in the Hudson Valley as we can find, and there's going to be roasted cherry tomatoes and uh, and I think it's going to be a really nice start to a uh, to the entire meal, and sort of just a way of letting people know what direction that meal is going in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be your regular ordinary meal that you're used to at a restaurant. Uh, there's going to be a basket of breads that you're going to have. Uh, there's going to be sourdough. There's gonna now those breads uh, because uh, once again uh, the. Did you go all the way vegan or the breads because, you know, to make it... Everything is vegan. So there's no butter, there's it, no eggs. No. Whoa. So everything everything on this is vegan. So we had to pick specific breads. You Absolutely. Can't just pick this any is what bread. I'm saying. Yeah, so we're starting with a sourdough bread and a date nut bread and little corn muffins. Mm -hmm. And we created our own jam, which is completely made out of vegetables. Of course. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have some uh, stewed greens and some uh, different olives. And we're going to create something called the summer caviar, which is going to be a combination of uh, vegetables uh -huh. that you're going to be able to spread on crackers. And it's going to be sort of like a paste. It's usually, gonna, it, I think it is, uh, back in, in Europe, the uh, eggplant utilized uh, zucchinis, eggplants uh, utilized for that very purpose, to make a spreadable sort of like... Uh, Caviar, and it actually translates exactly like a caviar, eggplant caviar. And the one other thing we're going to use, you're going to be able to spread on your bread is we're making our own ricotta cheese uh -huh. using cashews. Wow. That's, that's uh, so not only it's, exciting, it uh, makes me salivate right as we're discussing. And that's just the starters. So that's, that's what you're going to get to start the meal. Uh, the middle of the meal is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to have some uh, fresh corn polenta. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, with pickled corn and herbs from our very own garden. So we're trying to use as much as we can from our very own garden. And uh, we're going to have some uh, eggplant that's going to be smoked. So, it's, so we're calling it smoky eggplant. And it's going to have some fried black dirt onions and microgreens. Very so nice. everything we use is going to be local, and you know, every single thing. Not only that, there's two uh, sort of like uh, going through themes, if you will, uh, that uh, once uh, you know, we're discussing this. One is extremely local, extremely in-season products only. And uh, everything is, uh, nothing is imported and nothing is uh, brought in something. So it's all either grown on the Borland House properties or right around on the farm surrounding the area. That's correct. And so that's one of the great things about this meal because the people that are coming there live in the Hudson Valley. They can use the same ingredients that we're using. So nothing that we're going to be cooking with here is going to be 
out of touch for them. It's going to be available to them. It's going to be something that they can use on their own. And that's the great thing about it as compared to maybe going to a vegan event, you know, in a city where you don't necessarily have all those things available and you can't replicate it at home. Here we're going we're gonna to give you the opportunity at the end of the meal to ask questions, mm -hmm. uh, to to pick our minds and you know maybe get tips and so people responsible for the uh, for the event you you including uh, going to be available to for the uh, comments or questions or discussion of the uh, meal so after the meal we'll be we're going to walk around and you can ask any questions and i think that's part of the event it's not just a dinner right. we're trying to make something you know that's very interactive and and makes you want to come and learn so it's a learning is not just eating. I see. Now, another thing, maybe I'm jumping a little bit ahead of time because we just discussed a few. It's a multi-course dinner. Mm -hmm. But I haven't heard, uh, you know, one of those uh, like sort of like vegan uh, uh, steak or burger. You, you're not taking on, you're not pretending to turn the vegetable protein and make it taste like something else. You Wh showcases and shining the veggies for itself. That's correct. This is, this is a non-tofu dinner. This is, this is a dinner to show people that, that vegan dining is, uh, is something that everybody can enjoy and not, and not just vegans. And I think there's a misperception about there for, from, with a lot of people about what vegan dining really is or the, the creativity that you can put into yep. a vegan meal. Perception is that it's uh, kind of like blah and boring and limited. Uh, which you uh, trying to uh, break out that mold and say, no, folks, this is actually very exciting. We have uh, the celebrity chefs uh, turning into, uh, you know, those ingredients and trying to showcase it. And uh, it's uh, vegetable itself that shines through. Very Mediterranean, I would say, probably. If you well, you see, a, a big problem with, with vegetarian dining, with vegan dining, is that in order to make it more attractive to people who aren't vegetarians and vegans, we try to mimic other foods. We try to create an experience for them that's similar to what they're used to. And the problem with that is that then you end up creating something that doesn't necessarily taste very good. It doesn't live up to expectations. And it doesn't live up to the expectations of the people who are trying it. Whereas if somebody who's not a vegan would come to a dinner like this, who knows? They might become a vegan the next day. <laughs> you know, that's how delicious the food is, and that's that's really what we're trying to I do. See. Well, uh, I also think, uh, like, I'm uh, probably the furthest uh, person to, to become a vegan. I enjoy uh, red meat. I'm a carnivore. I really, really uh, can't live without, like, a good quality steak. But it's the purpose of me coming is not to get converted there. It's just to expand my uh, horizons and, uh, uh, and my palate and my taste and see what other uh, implementations could, could those simple vegetables uh, have that we picked up at the farm. But you don't need to become a committed vegan. You just need to incorporate that into, exactly. into your life somehow. Maybe twice a week have a vegan meal and the rest of the other nights you can, you know, you can enjoy meat, right. you can enjoy whatever you like. But it's 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 healthy and it's a way to change the uh, the way to change your meals. Very good. Uh, we're going to come back right after the word from our sponsors and talk more about it. Foodies are all flocking to Sam's Meat Warehouse. 
Sam's offers the finest selection of prime meats in New York and New Jersey. Whether Wagyu or Frank Burgers, Prime Filets or Delmonico's, Pork Chops or Prime Rib, Sam's, located in the village of Florida, is the jewel of New York and New Jersey for those who will settle for nothing less than the best. Learn about where your meat comes from, recipes, and incredible pricing. For specials and giveaways, visit Facebook at Sam's Meat Warehouse. Tune in every Saturday at 11 a.m. for Free Speech with Stephen Keeter, where you can voice your opinion, express your ideas, comment, or make suggestions on the topic du jour, right here on Radio Worth Listening To. Hi, this is John Tesh. Tune in for great music and intelligence for your life on weekdays at 1 p.m. as we assemble the tips, the facts, and the news you need to be happier, healthier, more lovable, and more fun to be around. Radio worth listening to. We put the intelligence out there. You decide what to do with it. This is your state senator, Mike Martucci. If you need help finding a job or you need rental assistance, whether you're a landlord or a tenant, I'm here to help. If you're a senior and are having difficulty accessing services, we can help with Medicare, prescription drug benefits, food insecurity, and housing. Please contact my office. We're also a great resource for small businesses. Do you have questions on how to start or operate your own business? Then please reach out to me at 845-344-3311 or visit nysenate.gov. I work for you. And we back with Food for Thought, uh, our weekly program. And today I have a wonderful uh, guest that we had a pleasure of uh, having previously uh, on our program, uh, Keith Newman, who is a New York City native, um, who made Orange County his home for the past 12 years. And not necessarily in chron- chronological order, he has been a corporate executive, a writer, an editor, and a chef. Currently, uh, the U.S. chef of Borland House. And uh, as in your own words, uh, Keith believes that uh, no one should commit an entire lifetime to doing just one thing. I think it's very deep. Your uh, outlook on life and on food is uh, unique and uh, very, uh, very interesting. Um, I also enjoy very much your uh, column, which is becoming a weekly column in uh, our hometown paper, the official uh, paper for the town of Warwick, village of Warwick, village of Greenwood Lake, village of uh, Pine Island in Florida, and uh, where you food is life. And uh, that was the name of your first column. But you continue with a series of columns not only uh, educating people but teaching them uh, to cook not necessarily sticking to the uh, recipe owning that recipe and, and i think yeah you know you're uh, going to be responsible for some people trying new things like uh, some people come into uh, taking a second look on a new look on on uh, stuff that uh, you know you're cooking or offering and uh, the one thing I picked up from our conversation, see, I, uh, I I like the saying that nothing should be done instead of. It's rather in addition to. And when we're talking uh, vegan dinner, and that could apply as well, it, you, you don't have to uh, eat it or get converted right away and eat it instead of, let's say, a steak. But in addition to, broadening up your horizons, uh, getting, uh, you know, your, tuning up your palate, so to speak, and discovering something new. It's, uh, I, I think that people... Uh, grew up uh, liking a certain type of cuisine. And if you grew up in a household uh, where you were carnivores and there was a lot of meat being eaten, you never really gave a second thought. Vegetables were just the side dish. Vegetables were almost an afterthought to the rest of the meal. And, uh, and there were a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons was that there wasn't really a lot of vegetables available back in the day. 
that wasn't, you know, you would go to the supermarket and it wouldn't be the variety of vegetables that you have available today. There'd be one kind of tomato and maybe one kind of lettuce, maybe iceberg lettuce, which isn't very tasty. It's very bland. So I think people did, they didn't get the, they didn't understand the variety of vegetables that are actually out there. So now we have this, we have so much available to us that it really, it's, it's, I'm not looking to create a movement, a vegan movement or a vegetarian movement. Uh, I'm very much a carnivore myself, but I think it's, it's very important that people begin to incorporate vegetables into their daily diet. Uh, I, th I think that in just in general, the, the, the population uh, is lacking uh, in, in vegetables and fruits. And, and I think it's very important to get the vegetables and the fruits back into the diet. And if that means, you know, maybe once a week or maybe twice a week uh, doing a vegan uh, meal, a vegan dinner or a vegetarian dinner is probably a good idea. Uh, not only does it expand your horizons about different tastes, but it's a healthier way to eat. I think one of the reasons that uh, people um, sort of shy away, not necessarily shy away, but not utilizing uh, vegetables to, to the fullest extent, you're absolutely right. They, first of all, they're not aware what it has to offer. And secondly, we get used to s this blunt-tasting tomatoes that get ripened up by using uh, the chemical gas to uh, everything. The f uh, vegetables in the first place became almost like institutionalized food, almost like, you know, like it's so easy to deliver. It's uh, done on a commercial scale. It's by commercial factories. It's no longer tended by... Uh, you know, small farmers and families, and it, it tastes different, and it's all reflective. N now it, they have to endure the shipping, and everybody's looking for the extended shelf life. It tastes different, it looks different, and it... Uh, it looks good. But it, lo <laughs> it looks good, it looks very appealing, and that was the idea. We're going to spray it, we're going to make yep. the apples really shiny. and Waxing uh, them it's, like it's, floors. We're going to wax it, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And that's what it became. It became, let's make it look good. We don't care how it tastes. And I remember growing up, it was very rare that we would go be able to go to the supermarket and buy tomatoes that tasted good. Yeah. Or that we would be able to go to the supermarket and buy pretty much any vegetable that, that really had an, a, a, a robust taste or, or, or something that we could work with. So it became a very bland, a lettuce and tomatoes and... Uh, and, and I think that people just got turned off by, by the variety and were just carnivores by nature. But uh, there's so much now. And that's why I say, if you have the chance not to go to the supermarket, don't go. Go to support your local farm stand, support your, your, uh, your local stores who may be importing vegetables from the Hudson Valley on a daily basis. Uh, the supermarket is not the place to buy vegetables if if you want to be if you're a vegan or you're a vegetarian uh there's much better available out there i agree and i can chime in it's not the place to buy meat either yeah <laughs> so. well i, I <laughs> so unless I, paper towel and uh, detergents 100 percent, please yes and uh, this is uh, they're doing a wonderful job but if you're looking for a specific cut if you're looking to a different kind of taste like uh, pork became just as vegetable same blah uh, commercial factory raised commodity uh, porks, very lean, very not flavorful, you know. 
I can I can talk about the the pork belly I recently bought uh-huh. from from <laughs> from Sam's Meat Warehouse, uh, which I used on my smoker, and I made uh, pork belly burnt ends. How did it come out? The, oh, they came out amazing! Fantastic, right? Yeah. But I, I think that people don't understand. I think that oh, pork belly is pork belly. Uh, it's not. It's, it's not. not the same thing. And if you go to the supermarket and you buy something that's a specialty item like that, you're probably going to be disappointed if you're following a recipe that you found online or that a friend gave you. Because in order to in order to duplicate a recipe that you see online, you have to buy the best meat. Very or else true. it's not going to turn out the same way. This is why, besides from uh, uh, utilizing commercial equipment, because we discussed that beforehand, and I think your article this week in the newspaper uh, further addresses the methods of cooking and how uh, commercial equipment is actually uh, more advanced. Uh, because people wonder sometimes, since they say, well, I went to the restaurant and I had an amazing meal. It doesn't have to be steak, but very often it is. Uh, an amazing salad, something that tastes far much better than you would normally buy in a supermarket. And very people, a lot of people are very disappointed. They don't realize that chefs like you or, or, or any other proprietors, uh, somebody who's really, really into the business, into caring what, what they deliver, the product, the quality of the product they deliver, they go far and beyond in sourcing those ingredients. You probably wouldn't be caught dead uh, picking up tomato at, at the vegetable aisle in ShopRite, or Price Chopper for that matter. You go to either your garden or local uh, farm, and this is what the people, restaurants, if you want to run a really good restaurant, if it's not a franchise chain, um, like, you know, uh, then uh, this is what actually contributes to that unique restaurant quality taste dinner. Well, that's what's going to separate you from the pack. Yep. And I think that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, the restaurant business is very, very difficult. It's, it's one of the most difficult businesses in the world. Uh, because you're all you're always dealing with with uh, different conditions uh, right now as a result of the pandemic we're dealing with certain conditions where a lot of food just isn't available right now uh, so there's delays on manufacturing and 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 all kinds of things so it's uh, it's become sourcing out food has actually become much more difficult now than it was in the past but it's very very important that If you have a restaurant to only buy the best yeah. when you don't buy the best it's it's going to affect them and no matter how good your recipe is no matter how good your other ingredients are if your main ingredient is not first class then the rest of the dish is going to fall flat absolutely absolutely and this is like it sometimes it's not as much in in uh, that uh, you using a very complicated recipes you don't have to be a CIA graduate to, in order to apply that knowledge you But you, if you start with the good ingredients, it, it's, always, it, it's, a, it's a great start. And when people come and they compliment Sam's meat, I, I, that was the best steak. Yes, I enjoyed to hear that. We, uh, you know, I'm flattered. We take the compliments. But I always say, you know what? It's in the chef's hands. It really is. It's, it helps to start with a good ingredient. But <laughs> at the end result, it always has to be credited to the chef. Two things I can always recommend. The good ingredients and a simple recipe. Recipes don't need to be complicated to be really good. And I find that the more simple the recipe, the better tasting the food because you're, you're letting the, the taste of the food come out and that's really going to be the star of the show. Uh, we can take making a steak, for example. I know lots of people who smother their steak in, in rub mm-hmm. before they put it on the grill. And by the time you're done cooking it, 
All you're tasting is the rub. And because it's all burned out. It's not even the best tasting because the, those uh, very often those uh, herbs which have, you know, pungent and flavorful, and, but they dried up and they burned very, very easily. Correct. So there's a place in barbecue for using up things like rub, but a steak is not one of them. So I always tell people, you know, they, what, what should I put on my steak? Salt and pepper. Yeah. That's and that's it. <laughs> Don't put anything else on there. Don't try to make it fancy. Yeah. If you want and you're cooking it in a pan, I would always use a cast iron pan because you want something that retains a lot of heat and gets very, 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 very hot because the key to cooking a good steak is a very hot, whether it's a, a grill or whether it's, it's, it's a... Uh, it's a uh, it's a pan. Anything that you're using for a steak needs to be searing hot, and that's how you're going to get your best steak. That's how you're going to taste the steak: salt, pepper, and your source of cooking it, and that's all you need. Yeah. So, folks, if you uh, enjoy uh, tips from uh, Chef uh, Keith Newman, if you would like uh, to know more about the grilling techniques and different types of grill, pick up an issue of Warwick Valley Dispatch. Uh, Ms. Newman has uh, the uh, ongoing uh, weekly column uh, where he is a guest columnist. He puts a lot of tips, uh, like uh, he's such a thrift of knowledge uh, when it comes to cooking. And there's different types of grill. Uh, I don't want to uh, go into details because I, I really would like you to pick up a copy and read it. Uh, we don't want to take all the secrets out, but we can talk more about the upcoming event. And uh, Keith, can you tell our listeners... If there's still tickets left, which I know is very, very limited, but if there's a chance, where can they uh, come and get uh, one or a couple uh, to go for dinner this uh, Saturday? We have a few seats that are still available, not many, but if you are interested, and I encourage people to uh, to come, it's going to be a beautiful evening. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. All you need to do is go to borlandhouse.com online, and you can make your reservation right there online, and... Uh, and then all you need to do is show up on, on Saturday night to experience an unbelievable meal. Uh, what time does the event start? The event starts at 5.30 sharp. I see. Uh, and, and it's uh, somewhat, uh, I don't want to say long, but uh, the, it's an experience. It's not just a meal. It's a multiple courses that's going to be served uh, throughout the evening uh, in uh, that very historical setting. Uh, we discussed about Borland House uh, beforehand. And we, uh, once again, we're discussing a little bit of uh, uh, menu uh, right now that uh, I'm honestly very excited and looking forward to try and uh, enjoy. Uh, I think we're going into the break and we're going to continue right after. Sam's Meat Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. This is Jeff Berkman, and I invite you to tune in to the Wednesday Morning Roundtable on Radio Worth Listening To, New Jersey and Orange Free Radio. 
free to express your opinions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. WTBQ GHT Weather. We'll see a cloudy day overall with maybe a few pop-up showers and a late day rumble of thunder not ruled out. Highs will be in the mid-upper 70s. Tonight, cloudy, humid, areas of fog and drizzle developing, maybe even a spot shower or two, upper 60s. Mostly cloudy to start your Friday off and fog and drizzle likely. We'll see this become a bit more patchy with maybe a drier afternoon, but still watch out for a pop-up shower mid-70s. I'm meteorologist Michael Prianti. WTBQ. And we're back with the weekly show, Food for Thought, where we're discussing uh, uh, this specific, uh, specific edition. We were talking about dinner that's going to take place at Borland House, um, themed dinner of a supper club uh, that's uh, properly named uh, Vegan Harvest. Uh, and if you can't make it this Saturday, uh, we have all our other dinners listed with their themes uh, that we're going to be having in the future, and you can make reservations for any of those. Oh, really? So there's uh, already a future dinner? We already have future dinners listed there. Oh, well, please, uh, let's talk about those. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, well, you know what? Uh, instead of uh, us uh, maybe giving all the secrets away, uh, where people can look it up and where those available? On the borlandhouse.com? So borlandhouse.com, and uh, I encourage you all to go there. Uh, we have some beautiful rooms that you can actually stay there. Uh, you get an excellent breakfast the next morning. And uh, I think you would, uh, you would find the inn very comfortable and inviting. And uh, we hope that you come and visit us. Even if you can't get to this dinner Saturday night, we hope you come visit us. I know that past dinners of Supper Club, uh, once again, this is one of those opportunities where you uh, get... An introduction to a new ingredient, new technique. Uh, those are usually done by uh, the uh, uh, invited uh, celebrity chefs. Like this one is uh, Leia. This, this one is Leia, and she's actually a uh, executive editor mm -hmm. for the Food Network, and uh, she's the one who created this entire menu. And uh, we'll all be working together in the kitchen to uh, to make sure that this is as amazing a meal. As uh, everybody is hoping for and or expecting. I, I'm, I'm certain it will be uh, certainly something to look forward to. Now, also, the past uh, supper uh, club dinners included the themes like mushrooms. So we had, we had one theme that was uh, mushrooms. And uh, I, that, was, that was actually a very popular theme for us because I think people have a misconception about mushrooms. And again, if you go to the supermarket, you only see one or two different types of mushrooms usually sitting there. You'll see cremini's, you'll see uh, button most, mushrooms, yep. and maybe you'll see some portobellos. But for the most part, that's, that's it. Yeah, There's You're no not going to see anything else there. And the reality is, is there are hundreds of different types of mushroom varieties Absolutely. out there. They all have different textures. They all have different tastes. Uh, and, and I think that the people who came to that dinner probably went out the next day and probably started looking at farm, or mar farm markets and, and, and stands looking for different types of mushrooms because uh, we were able to do so many different things with it, including making that dessert. So I think that people's perceptions changed a lot that night, and which is the same thing we're trying to do now with this dinner, yeah, you trying to change perceptions. You mentioned dessert, so there was a sugar cap mushroom, I believe, right, that was utilized as a dessert. Right, so there, there's there's a there's a mushroom and uh, that we use that we actually 
made some creme brulee and mm -hmm. we boiled the mushrooms in with the creme brulee. You filter it out at the end and uh, you make it regular creme brulee, but it has a, a maple taste. They're called uh, candy cap mushrooms. Candy cap. And uh, they're available dry. You can actually go online and buy them. And that's the other great thing. There's so many mushroom varieties available online from uh, specialty mm -hmm. purveyors that all you need to do is put them in water overnight. Dehydrate. And yep. they're dehydrated. But in the next morning, they're beautiful mushrooms. And you can use them for the meal that day. So, And it's a great way to store mushrooms also because you can keep them on the shelf for, for months and months and they don't go bad. So I definitely recommend if you want to try different mushrooms, that would be the way to go. And uh, every mushroom, I grew up in Europe where they're they very widely utilized. They're very widely utilized in um, Asian cuisine. They're very widely utilized in European cuisine where you get familiar from, you know, from your childhood just uh, going out and harvesting, not uh, foraging rather, uh, and uh, mushroom picking, which is everybody's favorite pastime. And uh, there's so many varieties. Ones are more suitable for pickling, and ones are more suitable for drying, and ones more suitable for... So there's all different kind of applications you can uh, utilize, including for the desserts, which is very, including very exciting. Including for the dessert. And I think that really blew people's minds that there's, there's things that they haven't explored yet. When, when you think you've explored everything, there's always so much more. Yeah. Well, when, when uh, Borland House is going to uh, make a theme of uh, like a carnivore dinner and make uh, something that related to the steaks, Sam's Meat Warehouse would be absolutely proud to participate. <laughs> and uh, I can put a sense or two in maybe, you know, like uh, helping uh, even with the menu or less known cuts. You and me, we know steaks that some people have no idea exist. Like those, all, all those little tiny like a mouse steak or an oyster steak or something that you have to sort of like one morsel of particular uh, muscle meat which is so um, you know minimal uh, is not the available on the com uh, commercial scale to harvest like terrace major you know we were talking about terrace major which is a, an amazing cut of meat uh, that people have no idea yep. even exists unless you go to a wholesale meat market or you go downtown Manhattan and you go buy your own meat, you don't even have any idea. But there are so many cuts just like that. Uh, but there's more available now. In the old days, I mean, when I was first growing up, there were cuts of meat that the butchers would just toss into the garbage can because nobody would buy them. And then all of a sudden they become skirt steak is, oh. is, is one of those. You know, people didn't know from skirt steaks when I was growing up. Uh, for the most part, except for people who knew the business. Now, everybody wants a skirt steak, yeah. and the prices goes high because people, you know, there's a demand for it. So, so there's many, many, many different cuts that uh, people haven't explored yet. Absolutely. That, uh, well, there's really not uh, any bad piece of meat. When I'm sure, I just want to clarify when uh, Keith mentioned that uh, we do utilize big garbage cans uh, for, for the trim and, uh, you know, uh, things like get thrown with that later get grinded in in a grind. Skirt steak used to be something that butcher would normally take home to feed his family. It's right. one of the best uh, tasting steaks. Didn't get much publicity. Right. Wasn't popular enough uh, to to sell it. And uh, it's strangely enough, people would go and buy London broil, which yeah, you're not very highly rated or regarded. It's a way of for the butchers. I, I have to be honest to sell pot roast in the summer. That's all it is to it. 
uh, a bunch of uh, bushes, they got together and say, well, how do we sell uh, patros? How do we sell uh, rounds? Flat right. and top and bottom, you know. And somebody says, well, let's give it a fancy name, London Broil. Uh, give it thick. And in order to make it palatable, you really have to thl- slice it very, very thin. So original London Broil is none other than flank steak. Because you, that's one piece of hunk of meat that you cook it. And then to make it taste its best, you slice it thin. Uh, but then eye rounds come into play and, and bottom rounds and then top rounds and everything else. While skirt steak, which is one of the best, the most amazing uh, steaks out there, got kind of overlooked and disregarded. And you're absolutely right. Very often went into the grind. But this is what butchers normally My absolute favorite meat to grill is, is a skirt steak. steak. Is yeah. a skirt steak. But then there's an, another variety. There's, there's a hanger steak. And the, once again, this flank, properly done, there's no such thing as a bad piece of meat. It's, it just needs to be properly uh, a cooking application. Uh, shanks, uh, whether it's veal shanks, asabuco, which is a fancy kind of uh, name just for the stewed veal shank, or it's a beef shank, which is more pungent and more flavorful. Uh, very cheap. I think uh, we sell it at like three ninety nine a pound, and uh, but it makes such a wonderful dish, especially like you know usually those like old world cooking like from uh, coming recipes coming from Italy like uh, like I said uh, when it's veal it's asabuco when it's beef it's uh, peposo notturno um, which is uh, peppery by the night if you translate it, and what that applies is that uh, it got put into the pot in in, in the evening. And then it's low and slow all night long. So by the morning, you have such a wonderful uh, meal, whether it's supper or in Europe, actually, the biggest meal of the day is breakfast, you know. And uh, But that uh, that's all those collagen, all those... Uh, Everything breaks down when exactly. you do a low and slow. And that's why, you know, all those cuts you mentioned before, the bottom round and the uh-huh. top round, if you try to put those in the oven and make a roast beef you're probably not going to be satisfied with the results. It's probably going to be very tough. If you were to cook that same piece of meat low and slow, you could come out with something that's amazing, but it's the same exact cut of meat. Absolutely. You know, I talk to people about brisket. Uh, if I put a brisket on the grill, oh, forget I it. have to put my brisket <laughs> on the grill for probably eight to nine hours. Once I'm done with those eight to nine hours, then I'm taking that brisket, and then I have to hold it an additional 12 hours at 160 degrees. So we're talking about 12 plus 9. Oh, it's a so you're line. talking about about 20 hours of cooking to get that piece of meat the way you want it to. So people will go to a restaurant and they'll go, oh, my God, this brisket is great. And then they go home and they try to cook it. And, of course, you're not going to get those same results out of it. So barbecuing, grilling is my favorite way to, to, to cook. It is my absolute, especially meat, because you can do everything low and slow, and everything comes out amazing, no matter which cut of meat. You're, you're absolutely right. You could take the worst cut of meat possible. And make it the best taste. And if you smoke it and do it low and slow, it'll be the best piece of meat you ever ate in your life. Yet, Keith, I, th- I think it works both ways because if you, you can take something like filet mignon and try to apply the same technique as to brisket, you're going to ruin it completely. We can talk more about it right after the break.
Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old-world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. The Warwick Valley Dispatch has been run by the same family since 1885 and is your local newspaper covering Warwick, Goshen, Monroe, Middletown, and all the great towns, villages, and neighborhoods in Orange County. The Dispatch reports on all the news that affects residents, organizations, and businesses throughout the county. So if you want to promote your business or organization, email editor at wvdispatch.com. Shop local. Subscribe to the Warwick Valley Dispatch. This is Rocket Richie, the play-by-play guy. The only place you can listen live to Warwick Wildcats football is right here on WTBQ. Brought to you by Pennings Farm Market and Cidery, the Warwick Car Wash, and the Minturn Bridge Food Truck Park. And we're back with uh, Food for Thought, and I have with me uh, Keith Newman of Borland House. Uh, we're discussing event that's coming up to Borland House this Saturday. Tickets are still available at borlandhouse.com. Uh, only a few, but if you uh, <coughs> act fast, you can probably still uh, secure a seat or two. So uh, we're talking about different kind of uh, ways of cooking, different cuts. And uh, Keith, we were during the break, we were uh, discussing how easy it is to just by, you know, cooking it the wrong way, applying, because there's certain numbers, there's brazing, there's low and slow, there's high heat. It's not that many. It's not a rocket science. But if you do it the wrong way, then uh, most likely it's not going to come out uh, to be palatable. We were talking about brisket, and brisket is very challenging cut. For me, people should graduate, almost like graduate from school, you know, to a different kind of level Absolutely. of cooking. It, it takes a while. It takes 20 hours, takes certain technique, takes a lot of patience. Uh, we had no later than last week, somebody called in and complained, which we always welcome. We always welcome feedback to Sam's Meat Warehouse so we, we can uh, judge and fine-tune the offerings and our inventory. And lady said, well, I, I purchased a brisket and I wasn't quite uh, satisfied with it. Now, we know the inventory. We only carry USDA prime great brisket. We, it's all, all this comes from the same farm outside Chicago. It's Aurora Packer that, uh, once again, top of the line. There's nothing better than USDA prime. It's only 2% of uh, domestically produced beef can qualify for that very great. So uh, we supply a lot of... Uh, smoking competition, anybody who is in it uh, for the reputation uh, or, or purse or, or, or bragging rights, everybody comes, everybody asks for this very product. So for me to hear, I, I wanted to hear more. So I asked, uh, so what, please, what did you do with it? So she said, well, my husband cooked it for uh, like three hours, three and a half hours, and it, was the, it didn't taste uh, good at all. It can't be. It cannot taste good after three hours of application. The brisket is the cut of meat that you really, really have to take your time with it. And you were discussing, you, you, it takes 20 hours. It's If you're going to put it on a grill and you're going to do it that way, it takes a full 20 hours to get the brisket the way you want it to. Of course, there are other ways to cook brisket. Uh, I've, I also braise my, my briskets. Uh, but even that, you're talking about an hour per pound. 
So if I have a seven pound brisket, yep. you're still talking about seven hours in the oven. There's no way you're going to be able yeah, to no. get anything done in four hours. Some people try to cheat, raise the temperature to try to get it done in a shorter amount of time. But what you're doing is you're, you're actually ruining the piece of meat by there's doing no that. Uh, there's, there's no shortcuts. There's absolutely no shortcuts. No, that's and, and even if you take uh, the most tender muscle in the body of the steer, which we all know it is a filet mignon, beef tenderloin. If you take that and you try to make stew out of it, it's probably going to be the most expensive, but the worst tasting stew uh, you ever tried. Because this is not designed for that particular uh, liquid and uh, moist application and low and slow kind of thing. Because that's going to shrivel up, going to toughen up. The further you take this uh, type of meat, um, the further you cook it, the worse it gets. It needs extreme high heat and very quick sear. And that's, uh, that's essentially one cut of meat that's meant to be eaten raw. That's your steak tartare if you chop it. That's your beef carpaccio if you thinly pound it. But a lot of that meat, is, it's naturally tender. So it doesn't have a lot of fat yeah. running through it. The cuts that have a lot of fat running through it are the ones that you want to do low and slow because you want to melt that fat as you cook it. And then you want to break down the collagen and you want to make that meat tender. So for something like a filet mignon, you'd actually be ruining it 100%. by cooking it that way. And there are other cuts. So when you go to the butcher, certainly your butcher is going to be able to help you and, and, yep. and lead you in the right direction about which, which cuts of meat you should cook in, in a specific way. But you want to look for meats that are, have a very a much higher fat content. Uh, and those are the ones that you want to cook low and slow. And those are the ones that you're going to get a better result from. Uh, pork, I do, you know, uh, pork butts, which is really the shoulder. That's, uh, you can cook, that's very, very easy to cook. That's something that a starter can use. And all you're really doing is you're cooking it at low and slow for X number of hours at a very, very low temperature, probably around 225, 250, and you're going to get amazing results. Uh, it's not the same with a brisket. You have to tend to it. You have to stand over it. You have to baby it. And it's not the thing that for something, for somebody who's not really well-versed in grilling. Absolutely. Uh, very often, uh, take, take those baby step, uh, steps and uh, try to educate yourself because the best customer, the best, and it's going to help you in the, in the longer run, is the educated consumer. Whether you get your knowledge, you don't have to be a CIA graduate. You really don't have to go through the, the whole years of education unless you're prepping yourself for a professional career. But uh, reading uh, professionally written pieces, like something that you uh, can find once again in our hometown paper in Warwick Valley Dispatch, you see uh, an article written by uh, Mr. Newman on a weekly basis that takes you through those steps. And if you want to try uh, the professionally done meal, visit Borland House. Um, talk to your butcher. We will tell you, we will advise you what it's good for, what it's not, and how you're supposed to do it. And uh, I think we'll arm you with those necessary tools and knowledge to make your next meal taste much, much better. I always tell people, that, you know, if they go to a pharmacist, don't you ask the pharmacist a question <laughs> about the pill that you're taking? Well, if you go to the butcher, why aren't you asking the butcher? The butcher is an amazing source of knowledge for anything, any kind of meat that you're going to be cooking. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. They love when you ask questions because it means that you care about it as much as they care about it. Uh, and, that's, and, and that's important. Just ask as many questions. 
Don't buy at the supermarket. Go to your local butcher who has spent years learning about the different cuts of meat who can actually help you. If you're looking for a good piece of fish, go to your local fish market. Do not go to the supermarket. Ask your local fishmonger, what's the best fish to cook for in, in this particular kind of dish? They'll help you. And that's, that's how people learn. The same thing goes for the farm market. They know vegetables inside, outside, and backwards and forwards. Ask your questions. They're going to be able to help you with taste profiles and, and, and how, what dishes you can use them in. It, utilize the people yeah. that, that are the experts. Absolutely. What to, to pair up with? Uh, what's in season? What's coming up? I very often, I, my, my, my local um, favorite farmer's market is in Florida uh, and Goshen. Um, but every uh, town has one. You know, it, I, I just happen to be uh, spending a lot of time right around those uh, two. And, uh, you know, and uh, you'll be surprised. You come up and you ask, hey, girls, when, when is the tomatoes coming? She said, well, this is uh, still hothouse tomatoes, but the field tomatoes are going to be in, uh, in two weeks from now. They will tell you what's coming. You can adjust if you're a restaurateur, if you're a restaurant owner, proprietor, you can design your menu ahead of time. You can see what's, uh, they smell differently. You know, those, those veggies, they, they do really smell like summer, you know, which you're never going to find in, in a supermarket. This is peak season for heirloom tomatoes. So I've been using, we've been using a lot of heirloom tomatoes for our dishes. It doesn't even taste the same as a tomato you buy in the supermarket. It has that real tomato taste that, depending on how old you are, you probably remember uh, if you grew up on a farm or you grew up in a rural area, uh, those tomatoes aren't available so much anymore. And, but here they are. And I yeah. so encourage people to take advantage of that. Keith, I close my eyes. And, and uh, you know, like when I'm in the market, you just close your eyes, you just give it a little sniff, and, and it brings you back. You know, years, years back when foods uh, tasted like it's supposed to be tasted. Before it's got overrun by this uh, corporate sort of like designs to, to, to make it more and more and more. Let's, let's amp production. Let's amp uh, the shelf life. Let's uh, have that tomato uh, last, uh, you know, through like six weeks of uh, shelving and stuff like that. You know what I noticed? Uh, well, obviously, when in the middle of the winter, you're not seeing a lot of farm uh, vegetables. You kind of, yeah, you we uh, hostages to, to an extent. We have to go. We have to buy certain things at the supermarket. I've seen uh, some tomatoes that have been sitting long enough. They start sprouting inside, inside, and they look shiny. And, <laughs> the, you know, it's like <laughs> that guy is already germinating itself, eating it, 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 uh, itself up. And you, you see uh, sprouts of uh, tomato from the We seeds. have an entire generation that has no idea what real vegetables taste should like. Should taste like. We have a generation that uh, have no idea what real pork should taste like. And I feel bad because these, these a lot of people have never experienced what it's like eating a really good peach or, or, or a really, I mean, apples we have here in abundance, but other, other fruits and vegetables... Peaches that come up from the south, you can bite into them. They have no taste. There's, there's nothing there. And, uh, and, and so that's why I encourage people up here to grab as much as they can. We grow peaches up here. Go get yourself a fresh peach and find out how it's supposed to taste. Absolutely. And right now, we're in Hudson Valley. We're so blessed. We're so lucky. This is why uh, this is a peak of our touristy season. This is uh, 
essentially the uh, apple picking season. You're going to see a lot of uh, people coming up and uh, do pick your own, which is, uh, to me, is the best uh, way to spend an afternoon with the family, kids. Let them learn that uh, there are uh, apple trees, not necessarily pizza trees, that the pizza doesn't grow on trees, you know. But what we were talking about before, it's funny, there, there have been times where I've gone to an apple orchard to go picking, and then you have kids who are coming up from the city and their parents are telling them to pick the apples off the trees and they're saying the apples are not good because they're not shiny. <laughs> because they don't know, because they were brought up thinking that that's the way your apple is supposed to look. Well, it's only when, when it's waxed, uh, when, when it's sprayed, when it's, uh, you know, uh, I remember growing up as a child and uh, very rarely you would bite into like a, really an apple and they wouldn't find... Uh, uh, let's say a little warm or something in there and that doesn't necessarily uh, translates into disgusting or anything like that if you think about it uh, another way to tell a mushroom whether it's edible or not see if uh, those slugs uh, if they like it if they ate it you know because the poisonous mushrooms nobody likes uh, you know you're never going to see a, a worm or, or an animal or even a fly on it but those uh, porcinis edible ones yeah they don't they look like somebody already took a bite like somebody already tried it and probably made a meal out of it before you pick it up. Same goes for the apple. That means that's a tasting, all-natural apple. I would rather have a worm in mine other than a full of 100%. pesticides. 100%. <laughs> I would actually rather have a strawberry with a blemish up here than buy strawberries in the, than buy strawberries in the store. And uh, I just wish that people would do more of that. That's... And this is that's, why that's I, I, I honestly believe that, uh, like uh, nowadays, and it's a big in the restaurant industry. We have more allergies than ever. We have restaurants specifically asking now you cannot sit down in a really good or self-respecting restaurant without a uh, waiter asking whether you are allergic to anything, and that should be a norm. Now it's becoming a norm. Twenty years ago, never had anything uh, problem like that. So uh, we're gonna come back right after the break and talk uh, hopefully more about it. <laughs> 